listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I'm one of your hosts, Britt, co-host of Step Back Sisterhood and contributor at Clutch City Control Room, and you can find me on Twitter at Britt Robotista. And I'm your second host, Justin Levine, and I'm the founder of FadeAwayFinance.com, a website dedicated to marrying business and basketball. And you can find me on Twitter at Justin Lev, and also on my Fadeaway Finance handle, at Fadeaway Finance. And please be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR. And I'm your third and final host, Roosh Williams, uh, host of the Noble and Roosh show presented by Ball is Life. You can find me on Twitter at R-O-O-S-H Williams. That's Roosh Williams, rhymes with swoosh. Uh, and if you appreciate the podcast, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. And we'd greatly appreciate it. And also, in addition to that, go ahead and do the same. If you search Noble and Roos Show, uh, you can also find my individual podcast. Well, I think we have a full show, especially since we haven't had a um, Launchpad podcast in the last week. So the general format will be talking about the preseason and the three or four games that happened. The second segment, we'll talk about some of the Rockets players. And the third segment, we'll talk about some more players as well as what standard for a NBA regular season preview is predictions. Well, I I guess, uh, so first off, I thought the preseason for the Rockets was, was better than expected. Britt Roosh, I don't know if you agree with me on that as, as well, but I think, you know, obviously to me, the, the biggest standout from the preseason was was Christian Wood. And, you know, he only played one game, but it just showed us the potential of what he can do for the Rockets. And being as young as he is and putting up the stat line he did, 27 points, 10 rebounds, you know, in that last, that fourth game gave me a lot of good feeling going into the regular season. What about you guys? You know, I come off as a pessimist, I think a lot, but I was actually excited to see what the Rockets could do because I'm just high on the individual talent that they have, obviously pending, uh, you know, injury concerns for DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall. But look, my favorite thing that stood out overall, and we can dig into all the, the players and all that kind of stuff, but just from a broad perspective, it's, it's nice to see the Rockets trying new things, right? It's nice to see the Rockets doing things that we talk about experimenting with on Twitter that we knew Mike D'Antoni was never going to implement, right? And what I'm most excited about and what, what I drew from the preseason was, I think a lot of us felt after the, the playoff loss to the Lakers that the team was kind of stuck, right? The Harden and Westbrook fit just wasn't a good one. You know, Mike D'Antoni, before he left, there was nothing to really be excited about because you knew that they were just going to run it back and do more of the same and probably suffer the same fate. And then once he left, there wasn't really much to be excited about because it felt like, the, the house was was crashing. But after seeing Steven Silas take over and we're already seeing the Silas effect, um, that 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 was the biggest thing, aside from obvious like individual performances, which we'll dig into. 
I definitely agree, Roosh. Just seeing Silas actually implement, you know, schemes in the middle of games and not just in out-of-bounds possessions is something that is quite refreshing when it comes to the Rockets. I, I think, honestly, the one thing that was sort of causing me, I, I guess, a little bit of heartburn is just knowing that potentially Harden won't be there, um, especially since we saw how well he was playing in game two and game three, or game three and game four, I mean, when uh, against San Antonio, and especially with Christian Wood. He, I mean, it was just incredible to actually see Christian Wood and Harden together, and it would really, really suck if we wake up in the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours and Harden is traded. Uh, You know, I I think we've been preparing for it, but just seeing the potential and having him leave right after that potential is sort of seen would just like kill my mood at least for a month. (laughs) Well, hopefully we at least get um, Harden through, through the middle of the season. I think that's in my mind, that's sort of the best case scenario that I'm rolling in with right now because it obviously depends on how the Rockets perform. And maybe that's what the Rockets are trying to do here is just kind of see how things shake out in the first part of the season. If, if things do not work as well as they could, then I think, you know, the Rockets will reassess Harden in the midseason. But the other big thing that the way I, the thing I take away from preseason is everything with the exception of Harden, everything has gone the best, the best as it possibly could. I mean, if you look at John Wall, David Nwaba, Boogie Cousins, all three of them coming off devastating Achilles tears, and they all look great. That's that's encouraging, extremely encouraging. That's that's like best case scenario number one. Best case scenario number two is is Christian Wood being everything that we thought he would be. And and then I would also say that uh, you know the, some of the role players have been real standouts. Like even Bruno Caboclo was hitting some threes, which you know. Maybe this is the year, uh, you know, don't hold your breath, but maybe this is the year that he finally arrives, as they say. But um, but yeah, I th- I, uh, my biggest takeaway of the preseason is everything just went according to plan and perhaps even better. Yeah, Britt, to your point, you know, if hopefully we get to see Harden because we saw some things with Harden that we've been wanting to see, right? Like there was that one play where I think he drives, gives the ball up, Ball moves around, Harden repositions in the corner. Christian Wood drove to the middle and then kicks it to Harden for like a three. We saw a clip that the Rockets tweeted in practice where John Wall races down the court with the ball. You know, I think he whips like a mini semi hook pass to Harden, catch, shoot, three. Like these are the types of looks that basketball is all about getting easy buckets. And the Rockets have not gotten easy buckets, specifically Harden. He's had to get really difficult. You know, there's the step back shot from from really deep. It's a difficult shot. And this offense looks like he's finally getting some easy looks and like he has the most creation around him that he's maybe ever had in Houston. Um, And Justin, I agree with everything you said. You know, the guys that have been coming off an injury have looked great. Wall and Cousins, Nwaba, um, they're getting contributions from the role players. Jay Sean Tate, even Sterling Brown looks like he's worthy of a of a rotation spot. So, I, I mean, honestly, the schedule is soft. Relatively speaking, if this team is healthy and, and no one catches COVID and everyone's playing um, and Harden sticks around, man, if they gel and, and play a little bit of defense, I think they can win a lot of games, honestly. Yeah, and I think the other cool thing, too, is that, uh, I mean, I, when 
we're actually seeing structure, I guess, going back to Silas and seeing that they're actually doing, you know, regular shoot arounds, which I guess what wasn't happened after D'Antoni sort of canceled them the last two seasons. They look as though, you know, even with the Harden situation, they look as though they like each other and they're having, you know, moments where things are starting to click. That That's exciting. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, like say enough that it would really suck if Harden leaves but at the same time I feel as though Silas at least has an understanding of the roster a lot more than D'Antoni sort of had and him actually admitting that he's going to go 10 deep which and I actually believe him since he actually did it during the preseason games that is really really exciting for me yeah it's it's you know every preseason with D'Antoni you know I it always started as you know and granted, there were more games that were played, I think, in past preseasons. But D'Antoni would, you know, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, assuage or assuage the, you know, the fans or the the people on Twitter by, you know, expanding that roster in the very, very beginning of those preseason games. And then as he got closer to the last game or the second to last game, I mean, think about it. You know, Harden was playing 35 minutes like a game in some of those preseason games and here, you know, he's not. And, you know, Silas has really expanded that roster, even the preseason, it at least gives me a little bit more faith that he's going to do that in the regular season versus D'Antoni. And another thing, in addition to expanding the roster is we see him utilizing some of the same guys in different ways, right? Like Eric Gordon, um, Eric Gordon played backup point guard, which was really interesting in the last preseason game. It's kind of ugly at times. His handle's not pretty, but it can be effective. And Eric Gordon needs the ball in his hand, in his hands. Um, so maybe that's one of the best ways to utilize him, right? Run all the action through him, kind of use him as like a de facto point guard. Whereas Mike D'Antoni strictly used him as, you know, just a volume shooter with Russ and Harden. Um, so it's nice. It's, it's refreshing to see Steven Silas doing that. And one thing I did want to mention, I just kind of want to squeeze it in there, is it's really nice to have John Wall over Russ, uh, as great of an individual talent <laughs> as, as, as Russ was the way that he like forces your offense to revolve around him coupled with the fact that he can't shoot was just so difficult to watch. And John Wall's not a great shooter by any stretch, but he, he just plays with so much more purpose. Like those hook passes that he does to the corner, the vision that he has, he sees a play develop like, you know, two moves down the line at least, whereas Westbrook would just kind of go and figure the rest out later. Um, so it's really nice to see that as well within the offense. Yeah, for sure. I, I think John Wall is definitely a better fit for Harden. I think a lot of us sort of projected that compared to Westbrook and sort of like sort of fitting him in and however means necessary. And of course, that sort of failed at the end of the day. But overall, just I, I really just wish we can have at least like half a season with Harden and see how it goes. Um, but I, I guess speaking of that, I really want to talk about each of the individual contributors for the Rockets over the season. So when we come back, we'll talk about just that with some of the players that we're looking forward to watching this season. And we're back in here at the Launchpad presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you are liking what you're listening to, please consider subscribing as well as giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would appreciate it. Now, we're continuing our Rocket Season preview. Preview? 
<laughs> it's preview time. Look, um, we want to spend the second segment talking about individual players, and it's really impossible to start by discussing anyone other than KD reincarnated, perhaps, we hope. Uh, <laughs> Christian Wood. Look, we only got a taste of one game of Christian Wood, but man, that was an amazing showing. The hardened wood, the hardened wood um, connection looked amazing. And he looks like everything that Harden's been needing in a pick and roll partner. He looks like the type of compliment that, that can make an offensive attack unstoppable, right? As unstoppable as James Harden can be individually. He's never really, well, one, one season he did have a running mate that was just as unstoppable with Chris Paul in 2018. If Christian Wood can be that guy, he can pick and roll and finish with authority and go to the free throw line. He can pick and pop. Um, he had a couple air balls, but, you know, and that was kind of concerning. His form was okay, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until we see more in terms of shooting. Um, he can put the ball on the floor. He's got, like, I think he went baseline and did a Euro step back left and finished, like, off the glass with his left hand, if I'm not mistaken. Just a, a wide variety of moves and height. And uh, the Rockets' defense looked drastically better when Christian Wood was back there manning the paint. And it also gives you value off the bench because now that allows DeMarcus Cousins to come off your bench and be coupled with Eric Gordon. So Christian Wood's presence, is, I mean, it stood out in the best of ways. I have nothing but praise for Christian Wood. Uh, what do you guys think about, you know, A, what you've seen out of Christian Wood and B, anyone else that stuck out or anyone else you want to discuss? I echo those sentiments, Roosh. Christian Wood was was my favorite player to watch in the preseason for just the expectations are huge. The biggest compliment that came out for, for Christian was was when Boogie and Eric Gordon were doing their presser. And I think they asked him, what do you think about Christian Wood? And, and they said the, the first thing that came to their mind was that he reminds them of Anthony Davis, which obviously, you know, he's nowhere near the level of, of Anthony Davis, but the skill set is there in terms of his ability to space the floor, you know, shoot the three, put the ball on the floor. He's got that raw potential that is so awesome to watch. I feel like we haven't had like a young talent in Houston for such a long time to really get excited about for, you know, there's, and, and this is one of those people, I mean, I think he's 25 years old. And so he's, he's here for at least three years. And there's someone I can, someone that's young and can truly invest into for the next few years. And real quick, I just want to add to the point that he's young, the Rockets have him for three years, 39 million, or I'm sorry, 41 million, basically right. 13, 14 mil a year. If you look at some of those contracts that were handed out today, Markel Fultz, Luke Kennard, I mean, the Rockets got a steal or so it looks like, but yeah, please continue. Absolutely. Definitely. That that contract is looking more, uh, better and better with each passing day that these, the rookies or these guys like Fultz are getting today with the type of money they're getting right now, which is crazy, especially given that we're, <laughs> we're in the middle of a pandemic, but that's, that's not my, uh, it's not my place. But anyway, and the, obviously the potential with James is huge. And that's why we all want James to at least try to try this for at least half a season with Christian because the potential is huge. And, you know, I, I obviously am very high on him and hope that he turns out to be the talent that we all think he's going to be. And I think Christian Wood reminds me a lot of what we hoped Capella could potentially be when Christian did that coast to coast play um, that Roosh was mentioning earlier where he like turned around and, you know, made that shot. I, I was just sort of stunned at how well he was, at, you know, playing for a single game. And that's like, I mean, we know that he had 
a sore elbow, which may have contributed to those um, air balls that we saw. And hopefully as the season progresses and that injury, I mean, it probably won't improve because they're playing, you know, too many games to sort of improve it, but at least it sustains to a point where he's okay with it. I, I can see him having so much potential, having a 2010 game for a preseason and he, him not even playing four quarters is absolutely mind boggling. And for the contract, especially, I mean, I, I guess we shouldn't necessarily compare because a lot of those, you know, rookie scale contracts have definitely ballooned, but being able to get him at a relatively good rate for, you know, three years uh, is going to be an amazing thing, hopefully, as long, you know, as long as we can continue to see him develop and grow. Yeah. And not only did he have 20 and 10, I think he had 27 and 10. Like, if Capella, if Clint Capella had a 27 and 10 game, that would be a huge deal, right? He had a bunch of, you know, 16 and 16, maybe some 20 and 16, like big games, but 27 and 10 is scoring. And like, I mean, that's just doing so much, especially from that position. And yeah, he, he'd be Capella. He, he'd be what we hoped from Capella if Capella learned how to dribble and if Capella was able to shoot from beyond like four feet. So just, just amazing to watch. Um, also John Wall. I mean, John Wall looked amazing to me. His, his speed and burst, I think is still elite. Knock on some wood for him. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, I like that he plays with purpose, right? He does things intentionally. Like he'll, he'll dribble to the middle of the court and he'll force his defender to square up and start kind of getting lulled into thinking that John Wall is dribbling to the middle of the court. And then boom, he'll bust back with that crossover to the other side and he's gone and he finishes. He knows how to find the gaps in the defense and finish through contact. You know, and Russell Westbrook was able to do that, but it was just with such less intention. You know, Westbrook would just kind of pick a lane and go straight line speed. Wall can kind of knife through defenses and being able to bring that to the table, I think was huge. And defensively, he looks incredible. Eons ahead of Westbrook. I hate to continue to compare them, but it's necessary because so much of the Rockets' success in theory with James Harden rides on who that star point guard, you know, or how that star point guard next to him performs. And we saw like Chris Paul for all his offense, offensive deficiencies at times, he was able to, to be the quarterback of the offense and on defense, you know, and John wall is astounding defensively, like amazing the the speed, his arms, his strength, like I'm really excited about it. You can already see the impact. So John wall has been awesome. And then in addition to those two, DeMarcus cousins looks incredible. He looks like he's in, in incredible shape. He looks a little slow laterally. Maybe he's just kind of easing back in, or maybe he's just really, you know, uh, regressed to that level in terms of lateral movement. But even then he's, he's so active. His hands are so active on defense when he stands flat footed and puts his hands straight up in the air. It's some of the best rim protection that the Rockets have had in the last year and what he does on the offensive end of the, end of the floor, creating and shooting, you know, so Harden now has two bigs that can create and shoot, which the Rockets up to that point, the best, I, I guess, comparison the Rockets had to that would be Ryan Anderson in the first year when he was, <laughs> when he was shooting. So think about that, you know, or, you know, Josh Smith, but that's, that's an era ago. That's over half a decade ago or, if you think about it. So, so it's just exciting. I mean, th there's a lot of high level contributors. They have to stay healthy, but they look like they're in good shape and they look ready to go. And I, I'm telling you, if they all bring what we have been seeing to the table and if the defense can click and just be pretty good or good or almost good, I think they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I would, I would say that. I mean, I was just thinking about the evolution of the Rockets since, since the 2018 season, I mean, or 2017, 2018 season. I mean, if you look back at that season, 
you really had two high, two really core creators in, in Harden and, and Chris Paul and to, to a lesser extent, Eric Gordon. But it's just crazy to see that that, that offense was, was built around stationary shooters, basically revolved around James Harden and Chris Paul, who were high usage ISO players. And you could see it over the last two or three seasons that the Rockets were trying to get more people on the roster that could put the ball on the floor or create. It kind of started with Daniel House. I mean, you, you could see how he's evolved his game over the years in terms of putting the ball on the floor. And, you know, you could Austin Rivers, for instance, was another case in point of another player that was able to put the ball on the floor too. But this is the first season since, you know, that I feel pretty good about the amount of creators that the Rockets have. We've got, you know, the Rockets got John Wall, James Harden, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon, Daniel House. You know, these guys can can actually, you know, they're not they don't have to be stationary and they're not camping out at the three-point line waiting for their shot. And that's going to make this offense more dynamic and it's going to make it a lot more interesting and and it's really if Harden can buy into that and start playing more off ball, which we keep hoping every single year that he's going to do that, maybe this is the year where, you know, like for instance, when he popped out on that preseason game, you know, at the corner three-point line and, you know, got a got a rare assist to him to shoot it to, to make a three. I mean, I'd love to see more of that. And I think every all the fans would love to see more of that. Yeah, for sure. I think the other thing that is sort of interesting is if Eric Gordon can evolve his game to at least do some point guard related things. I, I'm still sort of iffy when it comes to him and his ability to play point guard. But I think in the, you know, in the fourth game with San Antonio, he had, you know, some possessions with that and he didn't actually look too bad. I, as we mentioned in the first segment. So I, I think that if, you know, especially with Eric Gordon coming off of the bench and being the sixth man, and maybe he'll return to his sixth man of the year form that he was a few years ago. This team probably is the best fit for um, Harden that we've seen, and that, uh, and we have to definitely commend Raphael Stone for doing that, especially with the amount of drama and tension that has been surrounding the team that he has accumulated a roster that has been really good. And I, I think when it comes to, I'm just excited how Silas is going to handle each of the players. Um, another play we haven't quite mentioned too much is Sterling Brown. And so far he's looked pretty good. I know we haven't had too much time to look at him, but I'm hoping that he will be able to contribute, you know, some in that um, rotation, especially as we're, you know, trying to see what we can do with rotation in general. To continue on to what you were both talking about with Eric Gordon and Daniel house last year, if Eric Gordon was having an off game, which was pretty much all season until select games in the playoffs, if Eric Gordon was having an off game, Daniel House was your third option. And now on this team, Daniel House is like, what, your sixth option? So I, I think that is a positive from the outset, at least on paper. And then you have to think about the team two years ago in 2018 to 2019 started out with James Ennis and Carmelo Anthony as 25% of its primary rotation, right? And now we're talking Sterling Brown is probably like your 10th, 10th guy or 11th guy maybe. You know, so like, and he's an actual NBA rotation player, in my opinion, elite athleticism, really good on ball defense. He's decent catch and shoot player. So like, there's a lot there to like, you know, Jay Sean Tate looked great. He looked like a, a rotation player as well. I think he might be the, I mean, Silas was raving about him. So he might get some minutes. I think him, Nuaba and Brown will kind of share some minutes 
and then Macklemore, Gordon, and Cousins will be like the main people off the bench. And then, like I said, Nwaba, Tate, and Brown are going to fight for those last two spots if we go, if we legitimately go 10 deep. David Nwaba, someone cut a uh, like a mixtape highlight reel of David Nwaba and Jay Sean Tate getting steals and deflections and playing defense. David Nwaba's hands are so active. His arms must be incredibly long because he jars a lot of basketballs loose. He, I mean, straight up swats basketballs out like off the court or he, he had one play where he did like a volleyball spike block I think in the fourth quarter of the first game against the Spurs he's everywhere on defense if he can just shoot decently I mean if he can give us 34 percent if he can give us 35 percent that would be incredible if he could shoot 34 percent from three I think he'll be solid enough kind of like Luke Mbamute um, he would he would honestly be a, a really solid comparison to uh, Luke Mbamute that the Rockets had that one season so Tate Brown uh, and and Nwaba are like elite athleticism and hustle players. It helps to have those kinds of guys. I feel like the Rockets really haven't had that. So it's, it's, it's nice athleticism and youth that's injected into this lineup, added on to the extra playmaking. And if Harden is still there, then it really just, it looks like a good team. And yes, you have to give Raphael Stone credit. Like I said, this team felt like it was stuck. He has revamped it and really given it actual potential. Just, just depends on if Harden's going to stick around. Yeah, and I think speaking of Harden, um, we sort of tried not to mention him this last segment. So when we return, we'll talk about him as well as P.J. Tucker and I think the other players and a few other predictions and stuff like that too. So stay tuned. And we're back here at the Launchpad presented by Clutch City Control Room where we're talking about the Rockets and our expectations going into the regular season. So in our last segment... We all touched on some of the some of the more notable and, and players of, of this Rockets roster: John Wall, Christian Wood, Demarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon. We want to uh, talk about some other ones now, um, most notably James Harden. And obviously, there's a big elephant in the room regarding him and whether or not he's going to be on this roster this season. So, Roosh, Britt, what are your thoughts on Harden coming into this season? Who knows? Uh, to be honest. I- I'm personally tired of talking about James Harden in this situation. It would be great, you know, like I mentioned in the first two segments, if we can wake up in, you know, 24 to 48 hours and see that he's at least staying until, you know, the trade deadline. But I I don't want to get my hopes up. Um, It would probably be more, probably be more true that we'll, you know, wake up tomorrow morning and this podcast is already dated and he's gone. So (laughs) when it comes to Harden, I think it's really up to him. I think the Rockets have a legitimate reason to find the best trade for them. And as a result, they're not going to take, you know, trash picks and or trash players. I'm I'm sorry, NBA players are not trash. They're, you know, the 200 or the 450 something best players in the world. But relative to James Harden, most of them are trash compared to him. So (laughs) when we are, you know, Houston trying to and Raphael Stone more specifically trying to find a package that allows for the team to continue to develop while not completely losing everything that they'll have if they lose Harden is important. And And I hope that Harden is seeing that. My other thought, too, is that, you know, even if he hates Tillman Fertitta, I'm pretty sure that a vast majority of us have, you know, maybe more negative than positive thoughts about Tillman Fertitta. So he can stay in Houston and have those, you know, just, you know, at least um, 
not be so angry about him or at least, you know, keep his thoughts to himself, but still hate him. Cause I'm um, quite frankly, I, I'm not necessarily a fan either. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, I think we saw, I think it was one of the games where maybe it was the third, I forget. It was one of the preseason games, but coming out of the gate, the Rockets just didn't look good. Christian Wood was not on the floor. So maybe that was not a fair assessment, but it was kind of the first moment where I was like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. You know, I get it. He, he doesn't want to stick around for this with a new coach and a new regime. He realizes his clock is ticking and he wants to take full, full advantage of it. He feels like he's put his time in and owes us no more. So I get it. I don't agree with how he went about it. Uh, very unprofessional and just unnecessary, I think, but I get it. Now I think the Rockets are at that point where, you know, it's like a classic, classic, like breakup from the movies, right? you know, babe, I can change. I swear, you know, like the rock, the Rockets have to show him, Hey, like we, we, we've changed. We swear, you know, like this is the real deal and they have to win him back. And the only way that that's going to happen, if it is for all we know, Raphael Stone might have a deal ready to go and they're just waiting to pull the trigger. Um, but if it is going to happen, the only way it happens is on the court. If they win games, if Steven Silas wins this locker room over, if they buy in and if the talent that the fan base and the, the organization is expecting to materialize actually does come to fruition and they start winning games, then you might see something totally different in his press conference today. I'm not trying to read tea leaves or read too far into just like generic quotes, but Harden mentioned that his goal, at least right now is to get a top three seed. So you can tell, I think that, that that's where his mind is at the last two seasons, the Rockets were the four seed uh, D'Antoni's first, first season, the Rockets were the, the three seed. And then the, in the second season, 17, 18, they were the one seed. And then, like I said, last two seasons, they were the four seed. That probably does not sit well with James Harden, right? He wants to be on a top three seed. That's like what he views as a contender and obviously why he's trying to go to these teams that he's trying to go to. So if the Rockets can come out at a pace where where they are proving like, hey, they're a legitimate top three seed, who knows what happens, you know? So I wouldn't count it out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is obviously the smartest thing that Stone can do right now. I mean, you know, we're trying. he's trying to, the demand for James Harden will only increase as the season progresses. And, you know, right now we're hearing obviously about the notable teams that want him, Brooklyn, Miami, you know, Toronto, Boston, all Eastern Conference teams. But what happens if, you know, the Denver Nuggets, for instance, or I'm not going to say the Utah Jazz, but I'll just use Utah Jazz as an example. Uh, and, and the Portland Trailblazers, what about, what about the West teams? If there's a West team that's on the cusp and they're just, they're teetering at a six or seven seed and they're trying to get, you know, to try to get home court advantage and they come into the fray. So this is a smart, obviously this is, you know, the smartest thing that Stone can do is wait. Uh, there's no rush obviously with moving Harden. And honestly, if, if the Rockets are going to move Harden, they better get a, a very admirable return. And, you know, just because obviously we've, we've, we've sort of beaten this with a dead horse at, at this point, but obviously, you know, Harden's under contract for two more years and there's no rush on the Rockets part to move him because he wants to be moved. So I think, look, you know, Harden's given everything he's given, you know, I, I'm thrilled that he's been a rocket for eight years and he's really, you know, put it, laid it all out in the full court for all these years. So if he wants to leave, obviously I have no hard feelings about that. He's he's been a consummate professional over the last eight years in Houston. But the Rockets need to get the right players in return or to, you know, smoothly transition into the next phase. I think when it comes to right players, the other player that we have to mention is 
PJ Tucker, who's in a similar situation, although it seems as though the Rockets are actually re-engaging him when it comes when it comes to contract talks. Of course, I feel like Tucker and Harden have been the kings of vague Instagram posts. So who knows whether or not those are accurate or true statements, but I feel like at least with PJ, with the addition of Daniel House, um, Christian Wood to a certain extent, since he, you know, PJ has been playing the five for quite a while. Um, Nawaba, if he, you know, sort of, you know, comes through as well as, you know, Bruno, which we actually didn't mention too much, but, you know, Bruno had, you know, moments of shine. I feel as though if we do lose PJ via a trade or, you know, whatever, we won't be as much of a loss because quite frankly, he probably should be, you know, coming off the bench at this point. I I think for respectability purposes, he probably won't be doing that anytime soon, but he's definitely someone who like, there was moments where he continues to be the stalwart on defense, but he definitely has moments where he completely loses his shot. And when that happens, he's almost useless on the floor. I I guess either way, I just hope, I feel like PJ at least will be a professional through this. He's definitely has been more of a professional compared to Harden, but I, I feel the same way for um, Tucker as I do with Harden. I hope that he stays because I feel like he has a good influence on the team, but I can also see him being traded sometime in the next you know, season or so. Yeah. So with that said, I mean, let's talk about the ceiling and the floor for this team. I personally think, look, the floor is that they could get a play in game and miss the playoffs. That's if Harden gets traded or if things go like really south and, you know, Harden starts sitting games or something like that. I think the ceiling is a Western Conference finals bid, which by nature, by definition, means they can make the finals. And maybe I'm being a homer there. But honestly, if I mean, a lot of this comes with huge ifs. One, The first one being health, right? The Rockets are relying on some very talented players that have recently had devastating injuries. And that's a really risky game. Now, to be fair, a lot of the league is kind of relying on this or maybe more of the league than is being discussed. I mean, Kevin Durant is coming off a devastating injury. Um, Steph Curry was injured all of last year, although not so devastating. Kyrie's been hurt, so on and so forth. But if the Rockets can stay healthy, if DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, and, and the rest of their players can stay healthy, if Christian Wood comes as advertised and possibly exceeds those expectations, as he did in his Rockets debut. And if James Harden stays and buys in, and if Coach Silas and his staff really, you know, get people to buy in and what they what they draw up and execute actually works, then this team is as good as it could get. You know, I think they can rock with anybody. Christian Wood gives them that dimension. DeMarcus Cousins expands and adds to that dimension. I mean, I know basketball is not an individual game. It's a team game. But if you match up, if, you, if you're just looking at like raw matchups with the Lakers, you know, Harden, LeBron, obviously Christian Wood now matches up with Anthony Davis much better than anyone on Houston's roster last season. DeMarcus Cousins matches up with Gasol. You know, you got John Wall, who's kind of now an X factor potentially. And then you got role players, PJ Tucker, you got veterans. The, the Lakers have a lot of veterans that they can kind of cycle in and out. So, um, or I guess John Wall and Dennis Schroeder. So, I mean, on paper, the Rockets really, like their max potential is high. Uh, the first 10, 10 games of the season, I, I kind of want to run through like a prediction. Um, you know, the first game of the season is against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
There's high potential for the Rockets to come out with a big win and start the season off with a bang. Conversely, in typical Houston sports fashion, I fear that they might lose that game and, <laughs> and like really pop the top off of this whole thing. And like, you know, it just gets uglier and uglier. But let's run through it. Thunder, I think they win. Houston wins. Um, Rockets, Portland, I think Houston wins. I think Christian Wood is the X factor there and Houston wins 2-0. and Rockets, Nuggets, I'll give the Nuggets one. Although I kind of actually know I'm going to say the Rockets win three. and I think they come out three and if, if James Harden doesn't get traded in the next 48 hours, I think they come out three and they beat the Kings four and they beat the Kings five and they lose to the Mavericks five and one. They lose to the Pacers five and two. They beat the magic six and two. They lose to the Lakers six and three. They beat the Lakers seven and three. That's the first 10 games, seven and three. <laughs> Man. I'm going to run down to Vegas and, and put my money down right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Ceiling and floor. Uh, so, so I, I look, I think there's so much variability with this team and the, the biggest very variability is obviously there's a lot of new faces and you know, all the, all the talent is there, all the potential is there. But if you look at the Rockets, like for instance, even the 2017, 2018 season, it took them a good, 10, 15 games for them to really find their stride. So, you know, I don't know how this is going to play out, you know, but the, the, the thing is the big factor of all this is that, you know, the Rockets, every Rocket not named James Harden is out to prove to James Harden that, hey, this is your best shot. And if you look at all the teams that are sort of pining for James right now, you know, honestly, are they, if, you know, James going to Miami is obviously huge. That would be a, a massive upgrade for them. But with the exception of Miami and Brooklyn, I don't see any other team getting that gets James Harden. It'd be that be a better scenario than where James is right now with Houston, with the exception of like those two teams that I just mentioned. Boston. And so and Boston, yeah, Boston for sure. And then maybe one of the Western Conference teams comes, you know, a dark horse candidate. But by but this is right now and at this current moment in time, this is my mind, with the exception of those three teams, this is James's best chance of getting back to the finals. So we'll see. What's the floor for this team? Cool. Uh, the floor of this team is with James or without James? Probably both so that we don't completely date this podcast. Okay. So I'll go with James first. I think the floor is probably, and this is based off of a 72 game. My predictions going to this is like with James, I think we get, or the Rockets get, you know, 46 wins, which I think is roughly 52, 53 in an 82 game season without Harden, I put them at 500 or three 36 wins. So that's, that's, that, that's my prediction. Yeah. I think that definitely makes sense for my ceiling and floor. I guess this sounds homerish as well, but I really think they could get to the finals with this team. I think this is the first time where Harden doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the main contributor and the only contributor on the defensive end or on the offensive end, there is a nice complement of defensive and offensive players across the board. And there's the actually, you know, playmakers. Um, and also, I don't even think we have to necessarily think or say that Silas won't get this team to do well, because I mean, just look at his smile. He makes everyone smile every time you see it. So I think that's definitely a, you know, positive for him. And I think the, you know, the staff that he has surrounded himself with is a pretty good one considering, you know, all of the other stuff has, that has been happening this season. So I, I'm very, I think that with Harden, the ceiling 
is what is that the ceilings the roof um basically i think it's a finals appearance um uh, without harden i definitely think it's like a i, I would say eight nine matchup for that seeding game and then probably a you know out without harden i i would say lower half of the um playoff bracket for the west and then probably potentially must lower depending on you know the injury situation and of course I think all of this is pending injuries and not even just injuries the COVID situation will be a huge factor for several months if not the entire summer especially um, Adam Silver today during his press conference mentioned that they're not going to necessarily get themselves in front of the line when it comes to you know getting the vaccine which I think is a completely wonderful and acceptable answer to that so it may be until you know close to August which would be the end of the season for the vaccine to be available so we don't know and hopefully there won't be any or very few people who get COVID during this period but it definitely will be a factor so and we won't know that until games get, get played or start to play um, I think the last thing I want to mention is just as for number of games for, that they can win in the first 10 games I'm going to say 10 and no just to be a homer, <laughs> but they're probably going to go five. Though. Yeah. They're probably going to go five and five or worse now since I said it. There you go. We'll Sorry take it back. That. Revoke it. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, look at the end of the day is com- comes down to two things in my opinion, you know, to simplify it. Number one, I mean, the last two, no, the last three years we have gone into the season knowing it's going to be hardened insert running mate, whether it's Chris Paul, whether it's aging Chris Paul, or whether it's Russell Westbrook. And after that, that's it. Um, You know, everyone's going to be a spot up shooter. So either Harden's going to go off, his other guy's going to go off, or they both go off, or they both don't go off. Like you could probably map that probability and see what happens. And then, you know, depending on who's hot that night or who's not that night, you know, if the Bucks are going to be leaving PJ in the corner all night and he goes two of eight, well, they lose the game. This team won't be like that. So that's part one. Now Harden has more options. The ball will be spread around. There will be set actions, less predictability. Believe it or not, that's a good thing, folks. Mike D'Antoni, if you're listening to this, that's a good thing. (laughs) Switching it up ain't bad. Um, And the second thing is, will the defense be any good? I mean, at the end of the day, we could talk about offense all we want, but if they don't defend, it won't matter. Um, James Harden's been on three teams that have finished top 10 in defensive rating. The 2012 Thunder were ninth, I believe, and they went to the finals. The 2015 Rockets were seventh, I believe, and they went to the Western Conference Finals. And the 2018 Rockets were also seventh, and they went to the Western Conference Finals. So if the Rockets can defend, they don't need to be seventh. If they could be 11th, maybe 12th, hopefully top 10. But within that kind of range and vicinity, then they have a real shot. So it's, it's, it's going to come down to those things. I mean, James Harden just needs a couple guys that can score and create and a good defense, not too much to ask. So we'll see. I don't really have much else to add other than that, except I hope James Harden remains a rocket. I hope we get a Cinderella story, Hakeem style. And after the trade demands, Kobe style, you know, Harden gets his golden goose or whatever you want to call it in Christian Wood and and the Rockets deliver, you know, he delivers the Rockets to glory with a ring, but we'll see. And the, and the thing is, I, I'll add one more thing before we close it out, but um we the Rockets obviously have the ability to make a midseason trade. They got some of their first round picks back over the off season. So if the Rockets, you know, see that the the train is moving in the right direction, 
they could make a big move and really put them in a different different level. So to to add another piece and shout out to Raphael Stone for that, by the way. I mean, we all I, I'm sure y'all when you woke up and saw Robert Covington had been traded, or I think it was late at night when that dropped, yeah. and I saw that. I remember thinking, oh, it's over. It's so over. <laughs> and like I remember thinking. I remember thinking, man, I'm going to miss Robert Covington. Like, what the hell? We Like, that's the guy we needed. And now he's an afterthought. All due respect to Robert Covington. He's one of my favorite Rockets role players ever, honestly. His playoff performance was incredible. Loved having him. But now he's an afterthought. So credit to Raphael Stone. He's been doing a great job. Absolutely. Yep. And two quick points, and then I'll wrap up. First, when it comes to players that can return, um, we didn't mention that in the last week, Gerald Green got waived. He can definitely return. It seems like everyone likes him. And unfortunately, just because of the Clemens injury, which I hope, you know, I think we can all say that we hope that he recovers um, once Clemens is traded um, and waived by another team since the Rockets can't. Gerald Green is definitely there and he actually showed, you know, some defensive ability for once. So maybe he can be that, you know, other piece that's needed in the midseason if fingers crossed the Rockets start out pretty well. Um, second of all, it's going to be, I, I hope to goodness that we don't have to say that this podcast is dated sometime tomorrow um, because I, I really enjoyed what we saw in the preseason when it came to the Rockets and with, with James Harden and it would suck to not have that. But anyway, that's going to do it for today. Or go ahead. <laughs> one last thing, one last thing, cause we didn't talk about it enough, but it's going to be important. Uh, is Bruno Caboclo an NBA player? Because, <laughs> because, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is probably going to be rested and load managed on certain nights or, you know, hopefully he doesn't get injured, but it might happen. And Bruno Caboclo is Houston's next option. He can shoot. Um, he can also not shoot sometimes, but he's got, as he's always done, flashes of potential, but also unawareness, breakdowns on defense, stupid turnovers, things like that. So he's going to play a big role at times in whether or not he steps up to the plate could decide uh, some games. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully he's not three ways or three years away from being three year, years away again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.